good morning. Um, well, good morning, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Hood Talks podcast. I am so sorry that we have been uh, a little late here, but we had technical difficulties. You know, this I'm this this internet and this technology. I'm still learning. I'm still learning, but we heard and we're gonna get the show going and rolling. But I do want to start off first by saying um, we are doing a giveaway. If you guys can see that, um, the Hood Talks Doulas and Midwives t-shirt will be up for grabs um, because if you are watching, I would like for you to share the video and comments below in the comments and we'll put your name in a, a drawing to be drawn and then we will announce the winner later on today. Um, but so we got that out the way. I am so excited, y'all. Oh my God, I'm so excited to introduce this amazing woman here. Y'all do not, this right here is St. Louis Black History right here, y'all. So this is like so dope that she is here on the Hood Talks podcast and with us on this Saturday morning. Um, Miss Brittany True Hillman. Oh, Miss Brittany True Hillman. How are you, honey? How you doing? You muted. You muted. You yeah. That's just technology, girl. That's that's how it rolls. I was so cozy over here, and I just you look cozy <laughs> with that beautiful sweater, the fireplace going. Look, I'm jealous. I'm in my basement in the cold. In the white <laughs> I'm sending some. You know, I'm sending you some good vibes, Vanna. You already know. Art. Yeah. So, hi. Thank you so much for having me here. Thank you for being here. <laughs> and you're my first guest to be like the only guest. So, oh, really? That's so what set me up for us to talk about a lot there. Yeah. Just get off my business on the Hood Talks podcast. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I love it. Hey, only for the Hood Talks podcast, though, right? <laughs> yeah. If no other place, it has to be here. And, you know, I was thinking about that before I got on today. And I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, I love doing interviews and sharing my stories and I share a lot in a many in a lot of different ways. But I don't think I've ever been a, been invited to like a straight roots, hoods, community. Like you don't really have to do a double take about no judgment zone, honey. The thing, the thing. So yeah, right. So I was very, <laughs> very intentional about being happy that I'm with my people. I'm in my space. I'm comfortable. You know what I'm saying? So I'm so happy you're doing your podcast. It's needed because it's almost like the same as the medical industrial complex. We don't have spaces we feel safe in. So we have to go speak on these other platforms mm -hmm. where birds are like, you know, so thank you. I appreciate you and everything that you're doing. Well, thank you. I, I definitely think it is needed and I push so hard to keep it going, but I do I do love that we can do this. You know what I mean? So everybody that's been accepted to come and sit on the platform, I'm like, yes, let's keep it going. Let's keep it moving and having these conversations. Yeah. Which One of the great conversations today is, you know, midwives and holistic health and birth, home birth and all of that good stuff. And you are the goat of it all. <laughs> If you in a birth world and you don't know Miss Brittany True Killing, I don't know where you been. Okay? Especially if I'm, I don't know where you been, but that's okay. You gonna learn today. You gonna learn today. Yes. Okay. Yes. Uh, learn today. <laughs> um, tell me, because I've been so excited to talk to you. I mean, when you said the topic, I was like, of course. You know, this is my life. This is this will be great. You know, but um, I really want, because this is a, I'll tell you all, a very raw, a rare um, occasion where I kind of show up in more of a relaxed tone and not wearing my professional hat. So I'm, so, I'm, I'm telling you all now, I'm showing up as true because yes. that's the thing that happens to us leaders, especially us Black leaders and innovators and trailblazers. We get put on these pedestals where all of our successes and the things that we help to create, you know, they kind of put us in a space to where we don't feel normal anymore. You don't you feel know? human, right? Yeah. 
yeah, like you have all these pieces and things. So I am true today. And I'm just happy to just talk about my experience and having a midwife and then becoming a midwife and starting this really maternal health revolution right here, the city of St. Louis, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes, buddy. Kick your feet up. Chill out. You know, hey, look, sip. Hey, ain't no, we don't judge over here, honey. We keep it raw and real. That's all I ask, raw and real. So, you know, sometimes we got babies in the background crying, you know, people, yeah, it is what it is. We roll, yeah. roll with the punches. So, but yeah, yeah. we're going to go ahead and get started since we did start off a little late, but that's okay. We here. <laughs> yes. Thank you for all my uh, background people that's helping. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys and everybody that's taking their time out on this Saturday morning. I do appreciate it. Um, but yes, we're going to go ahead and give you the floor. And let you just briefly talk about, or not even briefly, elaborate, take however long you need, to talk about your experience, about who you are. Just tell us your story. Um, and hey, however you want to flow it, flow it. Okay. Well, I just by paying homage, um, or homage, as some people may say, literally to my ancestors, you know? And and everybody has their own view about where they get their strength from or where they get their, you know, um, healing from and all those things. And for me, it's my ancestors, because these are real life uh, legendary people who I share DNA and and blood and heritage and cultures and experiences that are embedded in me. And... um, my ancestors, particularly, I'm from Texas, a little rural town um, called Gatesville, but my ancestors were really kind of in the Colleen, Waco, Corsicana area. Um, they were farmers. And when, you know, around the time when Juneteenth happened and my ancestors were free, they were able to buy the land that they had bloodied their hands and sweated all over. And they were able to buy it a quarter of acre and my family settled in Shiloh, Texas. And my, my great grandmother, particularly as an ancestor, she was the one, she was the herbalist of the community. She was the soap maker. She was the one that were making the, uh, what you would call juju bags or root bags. So for everybody to put around their necks in the winter times and in the flu times to keep you know, sickness away all of those things. So um, that's just a little bit about my roots and my ancestry, my very rich cultured people where we had everything that we needed in our community from she grew the food, she canned the food, all of these amazing things. And I found this out after I was knee deep in this work. Mm. I found this out about my great grandmother. And that's when I realized like, oh my gosh, you know, like this, this energy and this life is living on through me. And her wise spirit recognizes what we are missing out on in our community. And she has instilled that strength in me to be the person to go through the trials and then bring forth the change. So I'm honoring my, my ancestors, my native ancestors and ours that we don't know uh, that traveled all the way from Africa, especially this Black History Month that made that horrible, disgusting voyage and were forced to come here and to be midwives and deliver the babies of their oppressors. You hear me? Mm-hmm. So we had to do that. And then we were you know, allowed to be free. Um, and then they stole midwifery from us and they t- stole folk medicine from us. And they stole a lot of very rich, sentimental, sacred things from us. Um, that, that has left us to where we are now, where black women are dying at three to five times the rate of white women and babies are not surviving. They're, they're dying at a higher rate than they were in the early 90s when we didn't have top-notch facilities. Right, and that's a message because, right, you know, sometimes you get people to be like, well, that's white people stuff or oh, white people have their babies at home. Why you want to do that? Why you want to do No, did you hear that? It came from us. It came from us. 
okay? And there is a white midwife pioneer. We know what pioneers are, right? They're white people who hopping upon indigenous lands and indigenous things and they like it and they want it and they take it and they get rid of us and they embody it and own it like they did it. Mm-hmm. And so we have we have those type of energies out there, but just so that I don't get too far off, it was important that I acknowledge that from my personal ancestry and lineage as a herbalist and as a traditional person. And then I want to acknowledge the grand midwives. A lot of people like to call them granny, but the grand midwives who delivered, yes, continue to deliver the babies of our oppressors, but also save the lives of black mamas with their, with their herbal knowledge and wisdom mm. and really gave, helped America give birth. You know, <laughs> okay. So, so them first, and so uh, for me, a lot of people have heard my story. I was a teen mom, and I don't want to just blaze over it for people who haven't heard it. But you know, I was pregnant at thirteen years old. I was in the seventh grade for Pete's sake, you know, and I amazing beautiful parents so I don't want anybody to take away from this like well what were her parents doing no I have beautiful parents it, this, that's what social determinants of health are mm-hmm. in black communities that you have parents who have to work two jobs and go to school and you have a household full of children and they give as much as they can but children are left to find out on their own I don't blame my parents for right. that right oh. so anyway um all in all had my first son at 14 and it was it was a really negative disheartening experience Vanna mm-hmm. you know um nurse eye contact with me they induced me for no apparent reason and I later found out my OB was going on vacation so she was inducing all of her folks within this window you know you can go sit up and have fun yeah so I'm anybody who's listening now you know Pitocin is a medicine that can be used and can be helpful when we need it, you know, to help to induce childbirth, but um, it's used in a very abusive way that actually cripples the birthing experiences, especially for Black women. And so that they shot me up full of Pitocin. I hyperventilated. I almost lost my life. I'm on oxygen and can't breathe. My baby's heart tones are dropping and then they rushed me to OR. Uh, insinuating like my body is incapable of birthing my baby and all they had to do was turn the damn pitocin off okay ain't that crazy they love just shooting you up with that stuff oh don't let, don't let me get started because you know how i feel about pitocin but yeah. i know i know i i i'm saying i have a whole course on pitocin wisely or to avoid using it at all so yeah. any they cut me and I had postpartum depression. I, you know, went on to finish school and started high school, but went through postpartum depression. Really tough, but I made it. My second pregnancy, I was in high school, Vanna, and I wish I had a little picture, but uh, you know, had on my little uh, graduating gown and I was cute, holding my little belly, but I was so afraid, honey. Mm. I was really, really struggling because when I found that I was pregnant, I found a different OB, and I'm like. This isn't going to happen to me again. And it was a matter of minutes of me seeing my new OB that she was like, nope, you're getting a C-section. We're scheduling it now because you had one four years ago. Mm, So I was so angry the entire pregnancy. They did cut me again. And the depression that I experienced, Shavannah, after they cut me that second time, it literally almost took my life. Mm. And it's hard to find quality mental health care providers and people to really help me. So I struggled. So, you know, having Jamai is like a direct opposite of what was available for me. So all in all, after I had him, I did a deep dive into just kind of being so in the darkness. And in that, I found myself. Mm. And I know it's that kind of sounds corny, but you know. Oh, no, that's just truth, honey. No, speak your truth. Because the only thing was that the white, providers that I was seeing through Medicaid for mental health like they were just like crossing their legs writing prescriptions for me and I'm zombied out and I have like a six-week-old baby at home Mm. so um essentially I just cried out and I was just like creator like I want to be a good mom I want to you know live a good life I don't want to punch somebody's clock 
10 hours a day and I don't get to see my kids off of school or when they get home. Like, you know, right. I to be a better human, like, please take this away from me. And it let the creator led me down to the path of yoga mm. and not physical yoga, like doing the asanas, but the actual Sanskrit principles of yoga, which is how to yoke your mind, body and spirit. So I was all over the place, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I, um, so all in all, you know, yoga, I will say saved my life. And so yoga really restored my hope and faith. And so I was able to do some research on women's wellness. And I'm like, since I had such a crappy experience, what is the opposite of that? And all I was finding was our indigenous cultural practices that were so far out of reach, right? There mm-hmm. are in a colonized place where it's hanging on by a thread. And so I ended up finding a book and seeing a black midwife in there. And that matched energy let me know that I could, I could do it, you know, that I could be a midwife, that I could be a provider and that I could be what I didn't have and be the change I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. So um, after that awakening and that calling, um, the midwife that I seen in the book, her name was Sandra Abdullah Um Salamo. Mm-hmm. So she's a very well-known black grand midwife who's still alive and just creating a lot of change but essentially um I became pregnant again for a third time so at this point I know I'm going to be a midwife I'm practicing as a community doula I'm like holding sister circles and moon circles and all that everybody knows like I'm a really like a moon goddess serious total moon and so Anywho, I'm doing all those things and then I become pregnant and I'm like, okay, now true, talk your, talk your shit. You know what I'm saying? You <laughs> holding your kumbaya moon sister circles with y'all incense and hers, but we was going deep. We were really <laughs> doing it. It was an old school goddess, black woman power vibe, like 2010, 2011, you know. That's what's up. Well, but anyway, <laughs> I find a midwife um and the first thing I asked her because there were no black midwives in the state of Missouri none in St. Louis and the one midwife that I did find I said do you know any black midwives and she said no but I'd love to be yours so you know (laughs) so she ended up being my midwife I had a very successful uh HVAC which is a home birth after a cesarean cesarean so I had him in two pushes on a full moon night, my third son, and I reclaimed my birth and I reclaimed my power. And, you know, Shavana, and I'll just kind of cut there and then we can get into Jamaa, but that's kind of more the personal part. But the crazy thing is after I vindicated myself and had this beautiful birth, um, I was invited to go to Ghana, West Africa to, to learn more about midwifery and support an American midwife. And when I asked what was the American midwife that I was going to be supporting, they told me it was the woman from the book. Oh, wow. That eight years back. Amazing. And it's been on and popping ever since. Ever since. Yeah. (laughs) That was 12. I had one of them 2012 babies and he opened up the portals and it's been popping. Yeah. He's eight now. So I have a 19-year-old, a 15-year-old, and an eight-year-old. Amazing boy. Like, like, some of them are men now. <laughs> yeah. I can't bring him around my friends because they give him extra long hugs. <laughs> and, and I'm like, why is your hand on my son's chest? Like, who hugs like that? So I have an adult child. <laughs> yes, honey. Yes, he is an adult, honey. Leave that grown man alone. <laughs> has chin hair and he shows it to me all the time mom look and I'm just like oh my gosh <laughs> and look all the little bitches want to roll sweetness man um yeah so <sighs> amazing story but just like the experience that you had to go through unfortunately which like you know I, I did my birth story um episode ago or two and you know it's it's sickening to me that we have these similar issues and similar stories like when you talk to black women in birthing and that's why we we're out that's why you doing the work that you're doing and I'm a big advocate for you know I'm always going to be a big advocate for Jamal the things that you guys are doing but the birth world and changing it 
just period, you know, having to advocate for that is, man, it's crazy. It is unbelievable. It really is. Um, and then the differences, because, you know, like you said, your son is grown. And here I am, I got a three-year-old and a one-year-old. <laughs> so how Bye. much Bye. has changed? You know what I mean? Ain't that crazy? It is. But the power of reclaiming your birth, like you said, you reclaimed your birth. So the power of that alone, you know, it's not to say that, you know, for women who have to have C-sections and, you know, it's an emergency, you, you, you're still a mom. You're not less of a woman or none of that. But it's for the ones that when you don't have to need those things and people are just putting that on you um, for their own personal gain, is that's the problem. Yeah. So, uh oh, I think that. Um, maybe I'll mute when you're talking and then, okay, but okay, I don't think I hear it. All right, cool. So, um, you're absolutely right. 60, over 60% of maternal deaths are preventable. You know what I'm saying? So that's three out of five women who died in childbirth who should legit be here. And then in that same breath, they have tied implicit bias, flat out racism, and microaggressions directly linked to the maternal deaths and the disparities that are within those. Because it's okay if we're looking at maternal deaths. I mean, it's not okay to see that women are dying in childbirth. But if it's a straight shot, like this is an issue, you know, cardiovascular reasons, okay, we know we need to direct our programs on making sure that all women have that. But if it's so deeply rooted and embedded that it's not even that, that it's literally racism. And when we say like microaggressions, like it's so deeply rooted in these people that it's in every action that they don't even realize sometimes, you know, it's on autopilot that no, you don't get this quality medication because of where you live or the insurance that you have, or no, you don't get a high quality epidural placement because you look like you don't, you're not worth nothing. You look like you have Medicaid. Oh, you're black. You're tough. Y'all gone through enough. You'll, you'll be fine. I need to hurry up and do this because there's a white lady next door who is excruciating in pain. Actually, yeah, maybe I should have did her epidural before I came over here. Those are thoughts in these people's heads when they are working with us. Hmm. And we are, and if we think about for every um, 100 deaths, well, for every one death, we have 100 morbidities. So we have that one person that dies, but you have 100 other people who have been harmed oftentimes beyond repair, Savannah, you yeah. know? So it's just like, yes, it, it rips apart a family if a mom loses her life, but also when you have to live the rest of your life with sciatica, you know, and back pain issues or reproductive health issues or potentially having to get a hysterectomy because of racism. Right, exactly. Yep, and it's, 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 it's sickening. It is definitely sickening. So yeah, so that's why it's important that we do have this Black birth worker revolution, that we do have this Black maternal health revolution, that we do have white people who are so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed about what we're doing to sit down and hold space and invest and take guidance from us Black innovators in our community because we are here and we've been here. We've been here, you know? And so that's what's most important. And that's also what I've learned from doing this work. And I've told a few people, like when I first started this work, Shabana, um, people thought I was crazy and they, they probably still do and I don't care because the work is getting done. But they were just like, who is this little girl, you know? ain't even a midwife yet running her mouth about doulas and midwives. And we're trying to have our little table talks about infant mortality. Cause at the time when I came in the game, everybody was talking about infant mortality. And I was just like, how do you get the baby? It got to come out the mama. And if the baby ain't making it, then we need to look at the mama. So I came in the game about maternal health because how we are cared for before pregnancy and during and during labor and delivery is going to impact the way this baby is born. So how can they add up how many women they're expected to have their babies prematurely just based on their race? Because of how our system is set up and how we've been treated and we have what you call weathering in our body 
And so our bodies are already creating endometrium linings and placentas and babies that's going to have a hard time living sometimes because the oppression and the, the negative impacts on our systems from racism and access. So I'm kind of going deep there, but it's, it's, it's real. It's real and raw. Like we have to have these conversations and not only, I just talked to a friend, of, I say, it's not only that we as black people have to get uncomfortable, white people have to be uncomfortable too. You have to be uncomfortable Very. to open your ears and listen. Yeah, I'm right here. Oh no, you fine. But I mean, it's yeah, it's just, it's really raw, and it's what's happening. And like you said, it's what's needed to change so that we can save lives. So if until we address those issues, we're not going to save lives. And when we address those issues, that's when you're going to see the change. That's when it's going to start changing. You're going to be like, okay, this is really what it was because this is what it is. Point blank, it's racism. Yes. Buy it. That's what it is. These are my views and my views only as True Kelman. And, you know, yes, I, I operate uh, the Brittany True Kelman Consulting Firm, which is the firm that licenses and teaches my community doula training, as well as uh, supporting people through consulting and having their businesses and their clinics uh, and their hospital spaces turn into safe, culturally um, congruent spaces for our community members. So that's what that business does. And then I have the Cosmic Road which hosts my books that I've written, which is A Black Woman's Guide to Home Birth. And it talks about my home birth story, but it also shares home birth stories from other Black and Indigenous people. But it's a do-it-yourself how-to book on getting ready for a home birth or an out-of-hospital birth as a Black person. But it's also for, um, for people of color and the providers who serve them. So if you're white, the book is still for you so you can understand how black bodies need to be taken care of. Um, and then I have my not-for-profit Jamal Birth Village, which is in Ferguson. And I didn't dive into yes. Jamal because I was really setting the tone with my personal story. But Jamal is a like a revolution, a dream come true, like a literal snatch from the past match with modern, but it is a true village and a fort um, and a safe space for the community. And we provide low cost and affordable uh, midwifery care, slide and scale and free doula care services, breastfeeding support, mental health care services. We provide so many things. And if you just go to our website or our social media, it's all right there. But uh, most importantly, we're a voice for the people. And we have the very sacred uh, job that the community has supported us and appointed us to do uh, to make sure their voices are heard and that the models that reflect the way they need to be cared for are out front. That models like Jamal are an alternative or hard to reach or want one and only. You know, we're making sure that this spreads, you know. Yeah. So, so those are those are my three spaces, but just inserting again that you know when I go into my personal views, I don't want to attach it to that, but yeah, it's not separate. But yeah, I, true Kim we have today. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, um, and one thing I've always told you, um, true, is that I was like, I can see like a Jamal on every corner. <laughs> We need a Jamal on every corner, like for real. I swear. Like ball green. That's funny. Okay, plug it. And when it happens, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to Yes. Put one right here. Write it on the hood. I'll try it. But so, and let me put in a little. So, after the mayor, which who is about to be three years old, can you believe it? Yes. No, I. I I definitely had a rough pre um another pregnancy. The pregnancy was rough, but the birth was really rough. And I found myself in postpartum depression. Didn't even really know it until after coming to Jamal and sitting in the mom's groups and just being being under Jamal and hearing all of the knowledge that True had and um educating me on things. Um and I'm like that didn't have to happen. I didn't need to go through that. Like, I was just like, oh my God. And so yeah. then myself becoming a certified doula 
and just the advocacy of it. So my advocacy, if you want to know where it started, it started at Jamal Brazil. And so again, I am always going to be humble and grateful to Jamal. Um, I mean, Jamal, you guys pushed me out there and like Flourish came and just like, okay, we're going to push yeah. you out the <laughs> So I appreciate all of you guys um, for giving me a voice. I always say that Jamai is like fertile ground. You know what I'm saying? Jamai is fertile ground and we literally help seeds to grow and flourish. And, you know, whether that's a mom who is actually growing a baby or a person who's growing a baby in their bodies at that time, and we help to plant seeds that you can do it and you do have the tools and to prepare them. Um, or whether it's a mom like you, you've already had your baby and just having challenges in those initial phases. Our goal is to not just get you through that moment. You know what I'm saying? That's what this capitalist system is built on. Let me just give you something real quick because I know you're going to come back and then now I got you in a state of oppression. And so a lot of our great leaders, Malcolm X and, and Martin Luther King and a lot of people, you know, that has led our nation and Black people towards freedom. We always talk about how like freedom is essentially like internally and inside yourself and how you think of yourself. And the way this internalized racism has really been grappling our community, it's, it's, it, it hurts. It hurts to see. So, you know, I'm happy that Jemai is there because we're really, really focusing on making sure that whatever we work with, while we have the honor to provide care for you or to support you, that it is going to impact your entire life in a very, you know, transformational way. Because when you're able to see something in yourself that you didn't see before because of what other people have told you and you break out of that, it's, it's no stopping. You know, and so we want that for everybody in their own unique way. And that's what we want people thriving, not yeah. just birth. you man, know. Man, and it, that just hit home when people don't, man, not knowing self. And then when you become to know self and what you're capable of, the change, man, it's amazing. It's that's, yeah, like I said, I myself up after really feeling like I wasn't worth anything. These, these hospitals and systems, they, they know what they're doing. You know, even if, if it's not on an individual level where the nurse is like, well, I'm just doing what I was told to do. Y'all know what y'all doing. Okay, it's many places, you know, so so that's that. I ain't gonna go deeper than that. But I'm gonna say it's the system, it's the system. And, and you're working the system. You're not trying to go against the system. So if you working in the system and you just going on not asking any questions, then you're part of the system, point blank period. Blind or not blind. You know, some people are like, I just wasn't aware. I'm just so not aware. I didn't know. Well, uh, get uncomfortable. And this is me talking now. Look, get uncomfortable and get aware. Wake up. You're absolutely right. You know? And so those are things we have to think about because the same disparities that are in childbirth, they're in the midwife profession. So in the 1920s, Black midwives were eliminated through like this, this uh, very... I don't even know what word to use because they disguised this Shepherd Townsend, uh, Shepherd Towner Act as a way to save the lives of babies. So it was like an infant mortality child awareness bill. And it was a 10 year bill where they were supposed to enact all these things to prevent babies from dying. But what they did was in that same breath was because black midwives and indigenous midwives even post-slavery was still delivering the babies of everybody. Nobody went to a doctor. Like these people were, they didn't go to the doctors. You know what I'm saying? And so at the, with this bill, they were elevating white male physicians and providers, and they were coming down on uh, community healers and saying, you're the reason for these deaths, you're unclean, you're this, you're that. So under that guy, they pretty much set these midwives up and was like, well, come down to the city hall. We're going to get you new stuff for your birth bag. And we're going to help you get enrolled in this class. In order for you to practice, you need to be licensed, blah, 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 all this stuff. And they go down there and they tricked them, you know, and, and essentially they took these women's midwifery bags, got their address, their names, their numbers. And was like, if we find out you're practicing and you're still delivering, you're going to jail. 
So not only do you have my bag, you got my address and every, you know, you know who the midwife is and what quarters, everybody knows. So they looking out. Right. And that's how a lot of the midwives went underground because you always had one or two apprentices that would take the steps of the midwives when they got older. So we, we slowly went away. So me even being the first black certified professional midwife of the state of Missouri is a revolutionary act. You know what I'm saying? And it is a big, you know, yeah. fuck the system and to colonization. Yeah. And I'm just going to say it, you know, it's the truth. It's just like they, girl, they tried to grate me up. Oh, I know. Yes. 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 They try to. How is she saying she's the first black midwife? We have black midwife. I'm mad. Mad. Like, like, don't make me go there. And I honor, I, I have nurses all in my family, all of my, like my grand, my grandma, my aunts, they were nurses and things, but the nursing profession and the nurse midwife profession came out of that act. That was the profession that happened then on the backs of that because nurse midwives and nurses were under the guidance of physicians. So even now in many states, the nurses are fighting for their autonomy because they want to get from under that position, you know, and have their own autonomy. So um, the certified professional midwife is like the, and I don't want to say like in one midwife is true than the other, but it's a community midwife credential and you're embedded in the community and you work in the homes of the people. You are the people's midwife, you know? Right, 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 right. So, so, there's so, a so let me so just clarify a little bit more. Um, the certified professional midwives are more home birth midwives. And then the, the nurse certified nurse midwives work more in the hospital. So you can have a midwife and birth in the hospital with a midwife. And those usually are what they are, are called. So yep. 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 So a certified certified professional midwife is the only midwife credential. And there's a few um, there, but it's the only midwife credential where your entire clinicals, uh, where you have to attend a certain number of births, um, it's in out of hospital settings. Like we cannot count, um, you know, like we can't have a placement at a hospital like a doctor would have a residency at a hospital. So we're experts in out of hospital birth, whether it's birthing center or home birth, because the birth center is just like another building that's home-like and they're going to have the same things at that birthing center that they would bring to your house if you had a home birth. Uh, so yes, nurse midwives do primarily work out of the hospital. We do have an increasing amount of mid nurse midwives who are uh, opening birth centers so you may have a midwife in a birth center and you do have some nurse midwives who attend home births it's less nurse midwives who do that because a lot of states have laws that state that if you're a nurse you have to have a collaborative agreement with the physician to back you up or you can't practice oh, okay. so that's the reason why cpms really cover the home birth profession more so than nurse midwives even though there are some that do it yeah okay I know, I know we've been talking for a while but I want to make sure that before I go that I answer any really like important things you know like I can ask like two key questions like I don't know if anybody had a question or if you had something like you wanted to um so I mean, you kind of really did like talk about everything that I was going to ask you about. Um, <laughs> I mean, you hit it all. <laughs> Look, that's and how am I going to tell my whole life story, you know, and in and, and this little time? And then we still have so much to talk about. But I guess I did. I was able to do it from my childhood, but from my ancestors' land, all the way to where we are now as a city. And so, I want to say this before I answer any questions. Um, I just really made a huge accomplishment and, and it was a collective effort. It was not on my own, but I do have to honor and respect what uh, I heard uh, Laura say, sweat equity, you know? And so I created uh, my community doula training. It's called Truth Community Doula Training. I wrote it and created it years ago and kind of sat on it, you know, in that imposter syndrome, like, how do I know? And, da -da -da, you know, and finally, I published it and licensed it and pushed it out a few years ago and it hit. 
it hits Shavana because it's covering preconception all the way to postpartum. And we know some of our people have fertility issues or have a history of miscarriages. And so it's wrapping people around before they get pregnant to the end, but with modern evidence and also some cultural practices and techniques. And so our training is popping. It is so much fun. It's so spiritual and sacred, but it is so informative and it prepares you. And so this training now is a part of St. Louis's newest initiative, which is the L360 Doulas Initiative. And it represents that 360 degrees, that Sankofa, to go back and fetch the wisdom that was colonized and taken away from us and to bring those practices back to a community. Women did not have to birth alone or without support from their own tribe or village, you know. And so we want to really make sure that every woman who wants a doula has one. And we'll be training 360 doulas in the next two years in the St. Louis region based off of this amazing groundbreaking training. And um, I'm just, I'm proud and I'm happy. So I just wanted to highlight that. So anybody who's been watching your past shows, Vanna, and they're hearing all about the doulas and the midwives. And so if you're thinking I want to become a doula, then you can check out the STL 360 Doula Initiative and become a doula through our, our project. And just yeah. a hint too, there so there are diff, like different doulas. Um, and mm-hmm. we, will, we will touch bases on that on a, uh, a doula episode all about doulas. But we do have like the, the birthing doula and then the postpartum doula. And, and I want to make sure I'm clarifying that the, sh- the training will cover both. Is that right or wrong? The training are different types of doulas. So you have people who call themselves fertility doulas or preconception doulas. Um, we call it a preconception doula. You have a pregnancy doula, which is someone who's just there to really support you through the pregnancy phase, but they're not necessarily going to do your birth. So you have that. And then you have uh, like your childbirth doula. And that is somebody who goes on call for you and attends your birth. And then you have your postpartum doula and that's somebody who specializes in postpartum care because postpartum care is a whole nother world. Now you have two people, two clients instead of one. So, but our training is what we call full spectrum, meaning that you get all four of those certifications over the course of four days and a 32 hour training. And a lot of times people just practice as one doula where you're like, I do all of them for you, you know, so like pregnancy, childbirth and postpartum, you get all three of those services. So, yeah. All right. Well, we do have a question. Um, It is, um, can you explain the difference of home birth versus hospital birth for people um, or families that are deciding what's best for them? Yes. Let's start by uh, saying there's something called risk appropriate care. And it is a model that is practiced in the UK and Canada and the Netherlands, all over practically besides the United States of America. And risk appropriate care essentially is saying that there is a provider for every risk range that you're in. So if you're low risk, that means you're fairly healthy you don't have any major health complications or take any medication. The proper provider for your pregnancy and birth, if you're low risk, is a midwife, flat out. So in Canada and in UK and in all those other places I mentioned, everybody starts off with the midwife. Unless you come into pregnancy being um, high risk or ha- or having some other issues. Mm-hmm. So. And about 90% of all pregnancies in America are actually low risk, you know, yes. to start off. So most women should be with a midwife. And like you said earlier, Shavanna, um, you can have a midwife at home, a birthing center, or a hospital birth. And if you're at the hospital and you're like, well, I want an epidural, so I still want to get an OB. Well, you can get an epidural with the midwife. And the whole point is, um, in that low risk range, if you have a midwife, that means that they're going to treat your birth as a normal birth. They're not going to put all of these interventions in there, you know, and try to do all of these things. They're trying to manage normal births. So they don't have a big bag of tools that they were trying to use that they're just itching and waiting, you know, to use. So that 
Yeah, so that's risk appropriate for so for low risk. If you are low risk, you are a good candidate for out of hospital birth, especially if you're okay with using natural pain medication or natural pain alternatives. Then yes, if you don't have any health complications and if you're invested in home birth, because home birth is not like having an OB at a hospital. It's not it's just like a walk in the park. So let's make that clear. We will work you, honey. Because if you want to have a good, positive, beautiful experience, it's not just about, oh, I went to my doctor's appointment and I did, you know, and I just showed up. Like, no, birthing a baby impacts every area of your life. When you come to my birth village, we are talking about these four keys that elevate you to have these beautiful birthing experience. And I'm telling you, when, when these women have their babies and when they leave, they are like literally unlocking so many doors in their life because of these four keys that we're investing into them. So what I like about home birth midwifery care is it's holistic and every midwife practice is different. And I'm gonna be honest, the reason why Jama is the first of its kind is because I have yet to see, and we have beautiful birthing centers and clinics by black midwives in the, in the, in the nation. All of them are serving their community how their community needs to be served. And here in St. Louis, we have our Equal Access Midwifery Clinic where you have a herbal apothecary, a community garden, a mother baby closet with all your diapers and wipes. You got a chiropractor, a mental health counselor, a doula, a midwife. You get all your prenatal vitamins here. You know, like all of these things embedded into one. You have a spa room, a yoni steam area, a sauna, like after you have your baby so you can come and get therapeutic with yourself. So anyway, I know I went on and on and on, but if you, you left because you know me better, I will go on and on and on. But if- Go ahead, girl, look. Go ahead, give them what they need to know. People I'm, need to know this. So yeah, I'm all for it. Look, I'm Thank you. Back. So if, um, if you're ready to invest your time and invest your energy, and having a home birth. If you're ready to, to change up how you eat, change up how you think, change up how you move. And, and, and not saying that you're doing anything wrong, but growing a baby is a new life. And we can't keep doing the same things we was doing before. You know what I'm saying? Especially in these days and times. So you will be a good candidate for home birth if all of those things I just said. So uh, that's low risk. So if you're at risk, that's safe. You get a home birth midwife, everything's going fine. And then boom, you take a test and say you have gestational diabetes and say you retest and it's still showing up, you have it. And then say we change, you're now in the at-risk range once we have tested and have a condition. Now, if it's something like gestational diabetes, we can work on nutrition. We can get, get 30 days work on nutrition. And then if that doesn't change the blood sugar levels, then you are going to risk out and go into high-risk care with the OB or a maternal fetal medicine provider. That's how it's supposed to go. But see, good old America wants to just throw people who don't need to be with a surgeon with the surgeon. And we have some amazing OBs, so please don't take this as a dig on OBs. This is, this is the truth about scope of practice. This is scope of practice here. You know what I'm saying? So if we're complaining yeah. about people dying from interventions that shouldn't have happened and people dying because they're with the provider that they shouldn't have been matched with. You're high risk and you're with a low risk provider because you're afraid to go to the hospital or vice versa or whatever. So um, I always I always have this corny little joke that practically everybody who's listened to me has heard it by now, but you're supposed to get your teeth cleaned twice a year. You remember this one, Vanna? Okay. You're supposed to get your teeth cleaned twice a year by the you know, dentist or whatever, you call the dental office to schedule a dental appointment. And then they say, do you want to see the hygienist or do you want to see the oral surgeon for your cleaning? And then who do you decide to book your appointment with for your teeth cleaning? The hygienist. The hygienist. Exactly. Because why would you go see an oral surgeon for a simple cleaning? And when, when you're healthy and well, pregnancy is normal. Yeah. No yeah culture that oh my god this can happen your baby can come out of your bottom and this can happen but you got me flat on my back i mean so, even with high-risk pregnancies because you know how, I, how what i dealt with with you know being high risk every pregnancy but the and the difference i have you know thanks to you know the knowledge that i, I found and you guys and everything but 
you know, even when you're high risk and you go into a hospital, you know, it's sometimes I think they just need to turn it down a notch and observe. Like they be so quick to throw things out there that clearly sometimes you just don't need. It's like, why? Why are you throwing out these energies and these negative things when like like you said, like it's an illness? Like I'm just I'm just carrying a baby. People been carrying babies for like since, since we've been on this. <laughs> Doulas have been around since the beginning of time. These, you know, so this is that, you know, this we've been torn apart as people and we've been forced into this capitalist system. They broke us down and they pushed us into this rat race. And now we're trying to pull things back together to try to get through this, you know? So um, I would tell, I want people to be informed about their choices. And if the hospital could make any immediate change that doesn't cost money, is to move from doing informed consent to informed choice. Informed consent is, I think your body is doing this, but I want your body to do that. So we're going to do this to you, sign here. Okay, and informed choice is, we're noticing your body is making these changes and it's impacting your baby this way. We're suggesting to do this because we found that when we do this, we tend to get better results. But we this could happen in light of us trying to get that better result. Now, if we do nothing, this could happen, or we can do something natural. That's informed choice. Like, lay that shit out. Like, don't hold it back from me. Give me and options. Yes. yes. Let me be in yes. charge of my own body. Yes. Yes. And then if you push back or say no, you they flip it around and make it seem like you don't know what you're talking about. Yourself, you're harming your baby. So please, if there's any providers who see this, um, if you are expecting, or even if you're just going to a regular doctor's appointment, really get comfortable saying, can you please provide me with all of my choices? What happens if I do nothing? Uh, what happened? What's the pros and cons if I do nothing? Pros and cons if, if I do what you want me to do? And the pros and cons of me trying this natural alternative thing that doesn't consist of whatever this is. So that's what I have for everybody right now as far as like that question regarding the difference between hospital and home, hospital, you're in an environment where birth currently is looked at as not as a normal physiologic event. It's looked at as a medical illness. That's why they presumably hook you up to all these things because they're expecting things to go wrong. So they give you all these fluids. They tell you you can't eat while you're in labor because they're expecting to give you a C-section and don't want food in your stomach. So all these simple things that we don't even think about, they're setting us up. So if you got the time to invest and possibly the money, because it, home birth does cost in the state of Missouri, Medicaid is not currently covering home birth. Um, so then consider having a home birth midwife. We're booked up um, through fall, but we have, we work with some others. <laughs> you so wrong. You are so petty, Vanna. <laughs> <What's up? laughs> No, you're on mute. You booked them. Am I still on mute? No, you booked them busy, girl. No, ain't no wrong with that. She said we booked up the fall. Like she and baby, they make they they put out some I baby The <laughs> is in the phone waiting for the pregnancy line to come up, and they're like, "I just got my pregnancy test. Did I make?" I'm like, "You made it by here. We got you. We got you on our calendar." That was up though. You is booked and busy, and that just goes to show that women want black women want. Uh, they want a different option. They want a different option. And ain't nothing wrong with that. And yeah. I'm going to say this, um, and then we're going to move on to the next question. But Black women, it's okay to speak up for yourself. It's okay to advocate for yourself. And it's okay to ask questions. Don't feel intimidated. Ask questions. And if that provider makes you feel uncomfortable, find you another one. Yep. Point right and here. Find you another one. Go ahead. But enable the behavior of the systems that's what decolonize means it means get it out of your mind that it's okay for us to let this th these things happen to us and we not say anything like no it's not okay no it's not okay all right so i can I, we, let's do our last question vanna <laughs> <laughs> okay the last question is if women are thinking about having a child what are some of the things you recommend to prepare for birth Okay, so if they're thinking about having a child, so is this become before they become pregnant or you're already pregnant? The way it sounds like it's before they even got pregnant because they're thinking about having a child. Okay, 
what I would recommend is that you start taking a good prenatal vitamin at least three months before you start trying to have a baby. So a lot of us, um, and especially Black people who live in marginalized communities, we start our pregnancies in a nutritional deficiency. So we already, we probably aren't taking a vitamin. We may even have a good eating regime. Like we may eat our fruits and vegetables and grains and proteins and things, but we could be purchasing our foods from not so good sources where the soil is depleted. The food maybe isn't organic. So our bodies are still missing out and we need the closest replica of our whole cells in order to create a baby that's whole and not carrying on our inadequacies and not saying that it's our fault or anything, but the truth is that we need certain levels of uh, vitamins and minerals in order to create and sustain a healthy pregnancy. And so um, start that prenatal vitamin. You, you may also want to consider uh, cleansing yourself. I didn't say detox, but cleansing yourself, which means maybe pressing reset by doing like a, a weekend, um, like raw or herbal fast. So that means maybe just for a weekend, drinking fresh pressed juices, carrot juice, beets, you know, red and orange foods that help to bring energy to your reproductive organs, eat salads just for a weekend, you know, and you can do cashews and trail mix to bring the protein in and avocados and things like that. But I would do that as a reset so that you can reset your sensory um, from maybe wanting certain process or convenient foods that can be detrimental to your pregnancy. Um, or you can do a very tried and true old herbal remedy, which is uh, peppermint and red clover. That can be a reset and a cleanse. And that can be made as a herbal tea infusion. And it helps to alkalinize the uh, vaginal and cervical fluids, which makes it more likely that you will become pregnant. Hold on a second. Yeah, so while she is doing that, you guys, I do want to plug the shirt one more time real quick. If you want to get in the drawing for this shirt, please share this live and comment underneath below and I will get your name in the drawing and we will uh, announce the runner. I'm sharing it because I want one. You so are just letting you know. <laughs> you know. I got you. Thank you. <laughs> but I do. yes. So did I answer that last switch? I know when I got up it kind of yeah you did. I think you did. Good. I think you gave them quite a few apps. Um you said take a nice uh, vitamin, make sure they're cleansing, not detox, but cleansing their cells and eating properly. Yeah, because the detox is about, oh, I have all these impurities. Maybe I was taking pharmaceuticals for a while, maybe on birth control. I want to cleanse my body. And doing a detox is great. I'm not saying not to, but my intention, because sometimes detox is you'll cleanse yourself and then go right back to what you were doing before. And, you know, uh, the whole point is to like do a reset and everything. So, so yeah, that's what I would do to help prepare. And then I would also utilize that time to uh, find a doula that you kind of vibe with and find a provider that meets your needs. I would shop for providers and doulas like you would shop for a house or an apartment. Yes, because every doula ain't for everybody. So thank you, honey. shop around. Yes. yes. Thank you. Every midwife isn't either. And I'll be quite honest, like you have to think about that and every provider doesn't, you know, so you want to make sure that they're a good match for you. So yeah, thanks for y'all questions. Thank you for being here. I know you are a busy lady. I appreciate it. Um, I do want to close off first by saying you guys, um, the Hood Talks is done for February. We are returning in March, March 13th, um, with Us Against Us. Let's mm -hmm. talk accountability Black folks. So please, y'all, tune into that show because that conversation is going to get um, some people uncomfortable. But I am ready to have it and ready to discuss it. Um, and again, thank you, Miss True. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Dropping I think we were on good behavior, Shavanna. So look, I tried to sit back. You know, I sipped a little bit. You know? I was leaning too because I was like, if I sit up close, I'm like, girl, we gonna have to put, we gonna have to put. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> we got we got to act right, y'all. Look, we got to act right. But no, this is hood talk. We, we could. Right, right. So cheers. Thank you for having me. I am going to enjoy the rest of my weekend. So I'm sending love to everybody and uh, follow yes. us and stay in touch. Yes. Yeah. Yes, go follow Jamal Bird Village on Facebook, Instagram. Um, the website is www.jamalbirdvillage.org. Am I right? Um, you got go, it. go, you can find all of the information about what Jamal does, the 360 initiative, and all of that. If you want to become a doula, the best place to be trained is right there at Jamal. Um, yeah. And if y'all got questions, inbox the Hood Talk, and I will try to lead you the way. Um, but on that note, we're going to go ahead and end this live so she can go ahead and enjoy. And y'all can go enjoy this sun out here. Soak yes. up some in St. Louis. And we will see y'all again on March 13th. All right, y'all. Uh, we out. Bye.